1: we
0: Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Put down $5 on any of these games tonight. You get $150 in free plays if you're a new customer. All right. Now, joined by the most improved player from the beginning of one season until the end, if there was a statistic for it, I think A.J. Bramlett would certainly be at the top. How are you doing there, A.J.? I'm doing good,
1: Mike. Good to see you, my man. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you hopping on here. Um, of course. First, let's talk a little bit, because like I warned you about, we're going to nerd out a lot on uh, past (laughs) memories. But let's uh, first talk about a little bit about what you saw this year from uh, this Wildcats team. Obviously a new era with Tommy Lloyd, but what did you just see?
1: I mean, you know, overall, I think the season was just incredible, man. Um, You know, from the way that we started off to, you know, people not picking us, you know, very high in the Pac-12 to – you know, being unranked to start the season to having a bunch of unproven guys that really, you know, had had a little bit of success for a few of them, but not not anything like we saw this year to a first year head coach and Tommy Lloyd to, you know, the upheaval in the program over the past few years. And, and, you know, what we what we have been dealing with um, to what we ended up with as a season. I mean, <laughs> I don't oh. think as an Arizona fan you could ask for anything more. I mean, the guys were incredible, um, incredible human beings on the court, incredible players. Um, I mean, incredible human beings off the court, incredible players on the court, Um, the coaching staff, you know, did an amazing job pushing these guys to their full potential. And, you know, I just don't think you could ask for anything more as a fan of Arizona basketball. And I feel like very comfortable with where our program is at after this season. You know, it felt a little bit like, you know, what I've always maintained,
0: I've always felt from about 88 to 03, no matter what metric you wanted to use, that Arizona basketball was one of the top five programs in the country. Absolutely. Whether you look at Final Fours, wins, title, whatever. But when when you guys were playing, I always felt that, all right, if Arizona goes into the game with a better team, sooner or later they're going to hit you sooner or later that run's going to happen. And you know what, you went up to make, get a hot dog or something and Oh, by the way, it went from being a four point game to a 25 point game. Right. And this was the first time that I had kind of seen a little bit of that old era come back right there.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I, I mean, I, they have a lot of similarities to you know, our, our teams of the past and, you know, especially, you know, not, not as much our 97 team, but our 98 team that obviously yeah. didn't win it, but, that team, we would go on, you know, 27-0 runs, 30-0 runs on teams. And, you know, this team had that explosive capability, which was extremely fun to watch. I thought just the overall, you know, a style of basketball that we played this year is something that, you know, fans loved. You know, as, as alumni, we loved it. Fast paced, getting up and down, scoring points, playing good defense, um, you know, everything. And just really the freedom with which they played was just something really fun to watch this year.
0: When you watch big men play, and the reason um, I'm asking you, obviously, this is Christian Coloco's is another big guy that really improved. He went from basically being kind of a five and five guy that struggled to hold on to the ball to being one of the better big men in the country. When it when that happens for somebody you know, like you or for Coloco, does it just hit? Is it just repetition? Take us through kind of the process of the big man maturation.
1: Yeah, you know, when I look at CeeLo, you know, I do see some of myself in him of, of his progression and, you know, where he started from. And, you know, really, it's a testament to him. It's a testament to the coaches. And it's really just it shows the amount of work that he put in because that, that's what it is. I mean, it just, right. it just boils down to you being willing to put in work every single day, even if you don't see the results at first, even if they don't come right away. But you're still committed to going in there every day, working hard, working hard in the weight room, you know, working hard on your skill set believing in what the coaches are trying to tell you and teach you. It's all a combination of those things. And if you do that every single day and you have that mindset, at some point that green light's going to turn on. And when it happens, you just love to see it. And you saw with CeeLo, obviously, this year. I mean, right. <laughs> from, you know, a guy that, you know, everyone thought maybe, you know, he could be, a you know, a, a really good player for us. I don't know if ever, everyone thought he was going to be, you know, an NBA guy or even, even going to be the player that he was at the end of the season. And that's a testament to him. Like, he – He improved so much. Really, with big guys, a lot of it's confidence. You know what I mean? mean, You could see him believing in what he had, the tools that he had, the physical tools. You know his skill set. He shot really well from the line this year, which is another sign. You know of, of his confidence, and so. I just love it, man. Like I love CeeLo as a person. Like he did he did a heck of a job for us this year. And now I think he's making the right decision, you know, with with taking his his talents to the next level and you know, seeing what he can do at that level. Cause he, I, he's proven everything he can do, you know, at U of A, I think.
0: I think what's fascinating too about him is that there's a lot of guys who are shot blockers, and you know, Lauren Woods to me is always kind of the apex yeah, no. when I look at shot blockers at the yeah. U of A. Um yeah. But uh, when, by the way, did he he red shirt he redshirted your senior year,
1: correct? Oh well, yeah, I had Lauren on my podcast. We were talking about this. It's like I thought it was going to be a super easy year for me. You know, I'm a senior. Like I, you know, I'm gonna just you know cruise and, and you know do well. And Lauren blocked like five of my shots the first practice. I was like, oh my god, dub, come on, man. So he was he was great to go up against that year though because I really never. I didn't play against anybody that was a better defender than Lauren in in, in the games that we played my senior year. You know what I mean? You know what's kind of of funny? You come in. Your
0: freshman year, you're going against this physical beast in Ben Davis. And then you go on, and then obviously – a Ton of success in between 96, 97, 97, 98. And then you've got a guy in Lauren Woods coming in who's going to be going against you in practice too, who's a little bit of the polar opposite right there. So you saw pretty much everything there, AJ.
1: Oh, yeah. I had mean, you know, I had the whole the full full JB game. in there too. Yeah, throw JB in there, gotta throw it in. But all those guys, you know, really helped me a lot with my game and taught me different things and how to react and how to play against bigger guys because you know jb was more of a big physical guy and so was ben and dub was just i mean everything he was the seventh right. term, longest arms best time ever so both all those guys helped me a, t- a tremendous amount
0: what would you like to see kind of the next step for arizona obviously i mean great season this year but you know you look at the roster right now what would you like to see maybe a little bit more quickness on the perimeter a little more shooting what would aj bramlett look like look at and say probably could use a little bit more
1: of that I think shooting. I think, you know, I think consistent shooting will help us. Um, you know, I think just, you know, going through the rigors of what we went through last year in the tournament is gonna to help guys and you know, really running into the Houston team that was extremely physical and played at an extremely high level. I think that's gonna be a, a great learning experience for us going forward. Um, but you know, I like the makeup of our guys and I like you know, I like her coming back. I think Umar is gonna do a great job next year, have an expanded role now with CeeLo leaving. We're gonna lean on him a lot. I think Tyler Larson's got a lot that he hasn't shown yet that he's gonna get an opportunity to show next year. And then DT, if you know he sticks around, which I, you know, I expect him to do, um, I think he's gonna just take leaps and bounds next year. So, you know, I think we have a solid foundation. Um, you know, if we can add a little bit, a little bit more size now with CeeLo being out and then shore up that outside shooting, you know, we're gonna be in a great position for next year as well. What would you
0: say to obviously Julius Tebel is a fantastic player, had a you know great season, struggled a little bit, and obviously in the NCA tournament. Um, you guys obviously you know uh, Michael Dickerson, one of the most talented dudes that's ever come through here, great guy, um, was going to have a great pro career. Obviously struggled a little bit in the Final Four. Do you talk to somebody like that? Do you just say you know what he's got it? He knows what. Wh- how does how do you work through something like that?
1: I think it's just for him, it's a learning experience. You know what I mean? Like if that happens to all of us, like you you go right. up against a team or a guy that you're like, oh, I haven't seen this before. You know what I mean? I think from a right. physicality standpoint, the speed standpoint, I think that's what bothers you a little bit in those games, um, you know, at the end of the season. Also, he was hurt. You know, I mean, people mm-hmm. have kind of overlooked that, that after he hurt his ankle in that Stanford game, I don't think he ever returned to, to 100%. And so, you know, I think he's going to, it's going to give a lot of fire. I guarantee you that to come back next year, and, you know, play better and be, you know, and he did great all season long up until, you know, those few games at the end. But I think he's going to come back just motivated, you know, to be dominating everybody next year. That's the zoo that we all need and, and love.
0: You know, the guy that really surprised me this year and I was wrong on, I thought when Umar Ballo committed to the U of A, I'm like, all right, big physical guy in practice, you know, maybe as an upperclassman get some minutes, but there was a lot of times throughout this year, AJ, where you're like, man, this guy's gonna, this guy's a monster. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's got a lot of, in his tools, you know, in his tool bag, really. Like he's, you know, Ullvar's got soft touch, left hand, right hand. Obviously, he is physically imposing with his size, great shot blocker. And for a guy that really hadn't played a lot of minutes, you know, coming right. into this year to perform at that level, I thought that was a huge positive sign for us. And so this is a big summer for him, too. You know what I mean? I think you could see him take, you know, a lot of steps, uh, especially on the offensive end, uh, to be ready for next year because we're going to have to rely on him a lot more, um, you know, scoring the ball to post with, with CeeLo being out. So, but I think he's ready for it. I think, you know, obviously he loves the coaching staff, you know, Tommy Lloyd and him have their relationship that's that's been, you know, built very strongly over the years. So I look for big things for Umar too. And I, he's just one of my favorite player personalities and players on the team too. He's just a good dude.
0: No doubt. Okay, I wanted to I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, meteoric rise here in just a second, but DraftKings Sportsbook app code word PHNX. Like we talked about, put in five dollars, get one hundred and fifty dollars in free plays. My pick of the week: I like the Nets to win tonight. Uh, la- tough game, tough game against the Celtics, right there. Who are you going with there, AJ?
1: I think the Nets win tonight too. Uh, I right. think you know I think Kyrie and KD are going to come out and do their thing. I mean, Boston's tough though. You know, Boston. Uh, Even without Robert Williams has been playing incredible basketball, even on the defensive end. But you don't see two bad games from KD in a row ever. So I think KD is going to have a big one. Kyrie will do what he does and kind of silence that Boston crowd. I think they get the win tonight as well.
0: Don't listen to me. Listen to A.J. Bramlett right there. Arizona only, 21 and up. Gambling issue, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. They'll get you taken care of. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about being the hunted. Now, when you signed with Arizona, you're coming in 95 96 The previous year, you got Damon Stoudemire, obviously um, on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, You could make the case, one of the two, three best players in school history. Final four the year before with him and Khalid, and you've uh, had a couple guys on that team. So you knew you were the hunted when you signed with Arizona, but was there ever a point when you realized you're like, man, this is a bigger game for everybody than it is for us necessarily?
1: I think the first game, right. I mean, you know what I mean? That's just the way that it is. Right. right. You're get, if you're going to a place like Arizona, you're going to get everybody's best shot. That game is going to be circled on the calendar for, for all the teams that you play throughout the year. And that's what you want. I mean, as a competitor, you want to play at a school that first of all, schedules games where you're going to be playing the big time games, you know, early right. in the season and things like that, which coach Olson always did. And then secondly, you just want to be competing at that high level in Arizona. Obviously has done that for years and years. And you know, that's that's why we're in the place that we are as a program. Did you ever think about staying in New Mexico
0: and playing with Kenny Thomas?
1: I did. That was that was my you know, my final two were you know, New Mexico and Arizona. And Kenny and I played together on New Mexico flying our AAU team. So, you know, that's where we all started getting recruited was we won the BCI tournament, which back in the day there was only oh, like yeah. two big AAU tournaments. So we won the Phoenix one. The one in Phoenix. The- we won the Phoenix one. It was me, uh, Kenny Thomas, Michael Ruffin, who played at Tulsa, played uh-huh. in the NBA for a long time. Uh, David Mosey played at Stanford. There's a bunch of guys. J.B. Bickerstaff, actually, the head coach of the Cavs. Oh, right. So we ended up winning that. That's when we all started getting recruited. And so, um, but Kenny and I had always talked about wanting to play together. Uh, but, you know, it came down to, you know, I wanted to go to Arizona. Coach Olson offered me the scholarship, and you know I, I made the best decision that I ever made. It worked out good for Kenny, too, but it still would have been fun to play together because we did actually play really well together chemistry-wise. The player you're most
0: synonymous with, uh, you know, with Arizona basketball, JT, Jason <laughs> yeah. Terry. You guys come in. You guys come in together. Did you did you hit it off immediately? Tell us a little bit about just kind of your personality connections with a guy who you can make the case is the greatest pro to come through
1: U of A. No, I would make that that argument, too, but... Actually, the first time we ever met was actually in Albuquerque. As okay. there, was, uh, there was an All Star game, the Reebok All American game, uh, that came through Albuquerque, and JT played in it, and I played in it. So the first time we ever met was was in Albuquerque during that game, and we we uh, played against each other. We were on opposite teams, and so uh, walking through the mall, that's the first time I met him. And uh, you know, ever since then, it was just like it clicked, man. He was my guy from that moment on. And so, you know, he and I were the only ones in our class. So obviously, right. we spent a lot of time together. We lived in Navajo Pinal, you know what I mean. For <laughs> I sure, mean, for we sure. lived in the football stadium. Uh, you know, we had all those trials and tribulations. No car, no nothing. You know what I mean. Right. Teddy Brunski he actually gave us his Honda scooter when he left. When he when he left. Wow. You know, okay. That was our only mode of transportation. So people used to see us tandem riding that gold Honda scooter around, around the campus <laughs> sometimes. <man>. <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. Exactly. so thanks, Teddy, for that. We appreciate that, but. You know, JT is just uh, JT, man. Like, he's a winner. The guy is, you know, for, you know, his size, he's not very tall. You know, he's obviously extremely fast. But the thing that, uh, you know, I love about him most is just uh, his clutch moments, man. The guy is not scared of, of anything. and never has been. And so, you know, he's always the one that, you know, if you need an ice cold shot or you need to, to ice a game or whatever you need, play to win a game, that guy's a winner, man.
0: The thing that I always remember about him or well there's a couple of things first and foremost and we'll get to you know when Miles is ineligible but then comes back but look at it this way you're Jason Terry you're playing good ball to end your freshman year I think you had a nice game against Washington yep. and then you got Mike Bibby coming in and it's like everybody knows Mike Bibby starting I mean you don't All come right. in and I would imagine you guys knew that too JT though Miles Simons academically ineligible for the first semester JT plays the lights out you guys are ranked number nine when Miles comes yeah. back. JT goes right back to the bench, and we don't see him start until a senior when he's National Player of the Year. I mean, you talk about a guy that took a lot of sacrifices that I don't know that I would have done there, AJ. Uh,
1: you talk about a guy that has extreme belief in himself. For you know, sure. You know what I mean? It's because right. he, he didn't question whether – that was going to affect him, you know, trying to get to the league or, you know, affect, you know, his success at, at Arizona. He knew that he was still going to be able to produce and do what he did. And that was the best thing for the team at that time, for the chemistry and the the makeup of that team. He knew that that was the best move for him. And so he did it. And that is a sacrifice when you're going from starting to playing all those minutes. He still played a lot of minutes. That's not right, for sure. To not play, but, uh, but it's still a hard, hard thing to do. And, you know, he, he did that credit to him.
0: All right, I got to now. You got to tell me your journey, though. We've got to talk because, again, throughout the year, you would hear a lot of rumblings. Oh, great perimeter. You know, if they just had a big, I, there were, I remember there was a Hanson article we talked about this before where he's like, well, just imagine if they had Calvin Booth or something like that. Yeah. You guys hit the tournament, though, and not only obviously struggle with South Alabama, College of Charleston. But that's really when you came alive, right there, College of Charleston. Then you go on to Kansas, where you're playing Ray LaFrentz, Scott Pollard. Then you've got obviously uh, uh, Providence. You've got Austin Crozier, North Carolina. You were the, you became a star. And what what clicked for you? Because there had to have been a moment where you're like, I'm good. There had to have been that moment or something.
1: Yeah. I, I think you know, just like I said about CeeLo, it was like a, just a progression of like little moments of success that just built and snowballed. And then people always look to like when I broke the backboard in practice, you know what I mean, before, right. the, was before the Oregon game or whatever that was, that, that was kind of the, the moment that changed. And it, it, that was just kind of a coincidence. But um, it was just hard work, man. It was just hard work. And really, my teammates believing in me. And then once you start, you know, they start trusting you, giving you the ball a little more. You start scoring, and you know you feel like, okay, I can do this. You know all the stuff that I've been doing in practice and working on with Coach Johnson and you know and Coach Roz and all those those things that I've been doing. Now it's translating into success in the games. And then once you get that, and you you know all of us are talented. If You're playing in Arizona, right? You know you're the best guy in your state or best guy in your team for sure. And so you just got to get that comfort in the, in the team setting. And then once your teammates empower you, like that's and Coach Olson empowered me. Then it was just guys, the limit. After that, then I just opened up, just played free, man. Because when you, you know, the best players play with no conscience; they just play. And so, if you're not thinking and you're just out there doing what you can do, you're gonna have tremendous success. And that's what I was able to do during that six game run. I wasn't thinking; we were all just out there playing.
0: Yeah, but the thing about it, you you didn't stop at that six game run. You became that you became that guy. And then let's talk a little bit. You go into your senior year. Then it's you and JT. You've got a recruiting class coming in where you've got a you got a Michael Wright, you got a Richard Jefferson, yeah. a Reuben Douglas. I mean, you got a lot of talent coming in. Yeah. But Arizona, as has happened before, people are like, Well, you lost Mike, you lost Miles, you like lost Michael Dickerson, Bennett, all those guys. And yet here you are. You you're playing, you're running up and down with Stanford for that Pac-12 title right there. Did you guys, did you know that they're sleeping on us a little bit here?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, and kind of it was similar to you know JT and I's freshman year, where you know they lost Damon, and you know they lost, they'd and they kind of nobody was really respecting a lot of them. unranked
0: going into the year, unranked yeah. going
1: into the year. Yeah, and so you know we kind of had that that kind of blueprint before, but you know JT and I were excited to have you know our time. We had came in together, you know we had gone through you know being the young guys on the team, gone through playing with you know our great teammates to that time, and now was our turn to kind of get a chance to, to lead the program and we were ready for that we you know we had talent as you said we had rich you know we had Luke Walton. um you know we had a really good squad. Uh, but it was our time to kind of be those leaders and pass on what we had learned throughout our years at the arizona program to the guys ahead of us and they, you know that worked for them too they had tremendous success moving forward too but it was it was a, it was a difficult year a little bit just mixing that together but those guys were you know hell of a players and worked their butts off that year I
0: knew that you guys were going to be good when you had that first game against Tennessee. And keep right. in mind, at that point, Tennessee had brought in a great recruiting class. You had Tony Harris. You had Hathaway. I think another guy uh, – blanket on another guy. And JT is just going mono e mono at the end, and it almost becomes a one-on-one game. And I'm like, man, he's going to have a season for the ages. Now, again, I didn't know that he was going to be the national player of the year. <laughs> But, you know, you guys just really clicked. And, again, that was a special era right there because you always felt that you knew every player. You felt like you knew what they yeah. were going through. You you and JT are great friends. Uh, Michael Wright's kind of the quiet Chicago native that yeah. just wants to play. Richard's all over the place. I mean, <laughs> you you really did play in an amazing era there, my man.
1: I did. I mean, you know, across my four years, I mean, those are some of the best. To be honest, the best relationships that I still have to this day with those guys, and so it was just a good mix of people from all over the country, but similar values. You know, what I mean, and that's what Coach Olson really recruited all of us to be. He picked personalities to fit together, not always the best player, or the highest ranked. Will your personality fit with these guys? And that's what made the experience so enjoyable. It's because all those guys are my brothers, man, all of them. And so you know, that's that's something that you really value more and more as you get older. Is The basketball was great. The games were great, but really the relationships that you're able to build with, with people are what matter the most. And that's what, you know, I really got at being a U of A wildcat for sure.
0: Right. All right. I want to talk to you about your coaching here in just a second. Um, Again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word, PHNX, put down five bucks. You get $150 in free plays. If you're a new customer, if that team even wins, or it doesn't even matter if that team wins, AJ, I put down 50 bucks on the heat before the season to win the title. Okay. I like, um, again, number one, seed. not really a lot of people picking them, but we'll see, we'll see where they go right there.
1: I like um, that. I put right. I 50 on the, the bucks to win last year. And I did that again this year. So I was going to say,
0: that's not a bad, that's, that's not a bad work. Pick right that's there.
1: work. We'll see how they do this year, but they're, they got a shot.
0: I've always been curious about people like yourself when you get into coaching. So you're obviously, you're a division one player. You're an all-conference type guy, one of the best big men in school history. But how are you able – so you can do things that the average kid just couldn't do, just physically. How do you temper that at the same time trying to impart the skills that you do have?
1: That's an excellent question. And, you know, I really had to, like, learn that. Because when I first started coaching, when I first stopped playing, right, like I was trying to show people what to do. And, you know, I could do it easily, you know what I mean? Whether it was a, right. even just a layup for kids or or whatever, that, that came naturally to me. I really had to learn how to teach and how to connect with, especially kids, because I've coached, you know, youth for a long time now, um, and make their brains kind of understand the movements and kind of break, break basketball moves down into like a science or a number game where you're teaching them step by step. On how to develop as players and how to learn moves and things like that, but my most important thing that I'm, you know, I, uh, I coach with every single day is positivity. You know what I mean? Right. And, and just really imparting, like, it's okay. Like, try your best. Do what you, you know, do, do, uh, you know, what you, as well as you can and keep working your ass off every single day, you know what I mean? And that's it, you know, because if you have someone teaching you the right things, but you have a positive attitude and be a good teammate, that's the other thing that number one, if you're going to play for me, you got to be a good teammate, got to cheer for your teammates, got to help them up off the floor. You got to be happy for guys when they have success, even if you're not getting as much, you know, play Jason Terry, you know, perfect example right right there, you know, so, but it's tough. It is tough because you, you want to show them things that, you know, maybe they, they just can't do yet. And so, you know, I had to learn that, you know, I learned from a guy called Gannon Baker. That's one of the best, you know, basketball trainers, you know, in the world has been doing this for years. Um, you know, obviously from coach Olson, um, you know, I went back and kind of looked at all the stuff that we did, fundamental things and we're able to, you know, impart that into my program and use now. And I use a lot of the stuff that we did even in college with our, our seventh grade team right now. Right. All right. AJ,
0: before I sign off, you've got an amazing podcast yourself where you get a lot of a lot of great guests, a lot of fun back and forth. Where can people find that?
1: So, yeah, the, uh, the podcast is Bear Down Ballers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on, you know, anywhere where you find your podcast, you know, Apple, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, anywhere. And so our our actual last episode was, you know, at the end of the season, uh, you know, I'll be back in November. Uh, again for another uh, season two. so really looking forward to that. But it was just an awesome experience this year, man. It was super fun to just re relive all these moments, just like we're doing right now. And then uh, you know next year will be even better with new players, you know, new opportunities. And I'm just looking forward to to continuing it on and, and building it year by year, man. So it's been really it's been a lot of fun. And I appreciate the support from you as well.
0: AJ, I can't thank you enough. Let's talk again this summer. Again, it's always a privilege talking to somebody that I grew up idolizing. I appreciate you, my man.
1: Hey, I appreciate that, man. Anytime you need me, you know there, Mike. Keep doing what you do, man.
0: Thanks again. AJ Bramlett, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.